0: Hi, this is Joel Knox from the Vineyard Church in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad that you're interested in our podcasts. Our media is available to you free of charge, and it always will be. But if you'd like to help us out, you can go to our website, vineyardbrenham.org, and make a donation there. We'd appreciate it very much. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. I don't know, I, I discovered Keith Green a little late in life. And uh, I, and I, I actually I don't I don't know if you know this, but Keith Green was involved in the first Vineyard Church in California. So he's got Vineyard roots, and it, it's hard to imagine that it's it'll it'll be I believe 40 years this summer that since he he left us. You know, he was involved in a in a plane crash, and he and his son were lost, and and uh, but. Just love that song. It's just not Easter without it, I think. Uh, well, before I get started, I, I'm, I need to to make this announcement. If you look back over on this side your left shoulder, those of you on this side to your right, there's a couple of Easter baskets in the back. These were left over from our, our outreach last week to the Regency Inn Motel. We're going to do a drawing this morning at the end of service. So... If you had a kid that checked in this morning, they're in the drawing, right? Is that what I understand? So so at the end of service, you go see Deborah. She's going to draw two lucky names. So did you, did you check in first of all? Did everybody check your kids in? Okay. So if you didn't check them in, you know, if you don't enter, you can't play. So anyway... So, that, that's the business I had to take care of. Now, I, I just want to say this morning that, that Easter is all about Jesus being alive. All about Jesus being alive. And we celebrate that fact. We choose to believe that Jesus is alive. We've, we've read the story. We, we, we trust Scripture to tell us the truth that Jesus is alive. Now, there's always going to be skeptics. There's always going to be people that say that, that's not true. I choose not to believe that. Whatever. We choose to believe it. Our hope is on that. And we know that there are people that gave their lives for this very message that I'm going to be reading from and I'm going to be teaching this morning. And I know if they did that, that I can do that too. There's people around the world who are giving their lives for this message. Giving their lives just for a a sliver of the Scripture passage that's on a sheet of paper. So if if they're doing that, we surely can give our lives to this message and this hope that Jesus is alive. I want to read from the, the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was like as, as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Just as He said it would happen. Come and see where His body was lying. And now go quickly and tell His disciples He is risen from the dead and He is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see Him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them, and ran to him, grasping, and, and they ran to him, grasping his feet, and then worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid, go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. As the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. And they told the soldiers, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and they stole the body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews and they still tell it today. You ever heard somebody saying that? Have you heard, ever heard anybody say that? Well, it, they, they moved his body. Okay, well, where they put it? Simple enough. If, there, if somebody died, there's a body. Produce the body. It's just not there. The tomb is empty. He is alive. And there's also, you know, this theory... The, it's called the swoon theory. That Jesus, he, he just fainted. Now, if you were here on Good Friday, we, we read the two chapters of, of Luke that describes what happened to Jesus whenever He was crucified. Pilate, being the, the charitable person that he was as, as a governor, decided that instead of sending Jesus to be crucified, he was just going to scourge Him. He was just going to beat him. Well, the way that they beat people in those days, they used these whips that had all kinds of metal and glass and all these kind of fragment things in there that were designed to torture the person. If you've ever seen The, the, uh, the Passion of the Christ, then you saw a little bit of what this looked like. But that was a reenactment. The actor wasn't injured in the filming of that production. Jesus body was flailed to the point where he, his, his, his insides could have, could have been visible. I mean this is a gross thing to talk about, but this is what this is the message. this is part of the message. Then, after being beaten like this and bleeding and bruised, beaten up, he had to carry his cross, and he only could carry it a, a, a small distance and so they grabbed someone and they got him to carry the cross the rest of the way and then they hung him on the cross. With all kinds of brutality. If you can imagine just what was involved with just laying his body out on a cross and then putting that cross into the ground and then leaving him there to hang until his body left his the life left his body. Crucifixion was, was an act of torture. And it was it used exhaustion. It used dehydration. It used blood loss. to to inflict death on to the victim. So the idea that Jesus somehow just fainted and then later in the tomb decided to wake up, it's more unbelievable than what actually was, was what we've been told happened. That He was resurrected. His body experienced everything that happens when a body dies. When the body dies, blood stops flowing. And the body gets stiff, and it begins the, the, the process of rigor mortis starts setting in. I know this is gross, and this is the kind of thing that, that you, know, you just really don't like to, like to talk about, because you know, we like to talk about Easter in the, you know, the, with lilies and all this kind of stuff, but this is the story. They put Him into the, the tomb, So that this process could continue. And then they were the the people who followed Jesus were planning later to come and embalm his body. So that, that his body would somehow be preserved a little bit longer so they could continue to to mourn his death for the for the time period that they allowed. But on that Sunday morning. And the title of my message, The the Holy Spirit in Easter. On that Sunday morning, the Spirit was at work. The Holy Spirit was moving. And before breakfast, the process of resurrection was started in Jesus' body by the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul attributed this process of physical regeneration in Jesus' body to the Holy Spirit moving in His physical being. In his letter to the Romans, Jesus, but Paul said, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit that's living within you. The Spirit was the one who gave life to Jesus. And in the same way, the Spirit gives life to us. The power of the Holy Spirit is most evident in the process of our spiritual formation and transformation. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings us back to life. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Easter. And the Spirit of Easter brings new life. We can't change ourselves. How many of you have ever tried that? How how hard is it to break, an, break a bad habit? It's it, it's next to impossible. You know, if, I, I'm, I, I'm not gonna say that bad word anymore. You hit your thumb with a hammer, what happens? You say that bad word that you said you didn't want to say anymore. We don't know how to regenerate ourselves because we can't. We can't change ourselves. It's so much easier to just keep eating, and you know, when you gain weight, just keep gaining weight. It's a hard process. Just cut back, do the exercise that it takes in order to get those pounds off. We can't change ourselves. That's the spirit's work. That's what the spirit does. And it was the same spirit that was at work in in creation. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, you've probably read this verse before. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, over the surface of the waters. You see, there was, it, other translations say that it was void, it was empty, there was nothing, it was chaos. And the Spirit was moving. And then the process of creation was begun. And then shortly thereafter, that's when God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then to each, each day of creation, the Spirit was moving, making all these things happen, moving around and, and working. About ten years ago, and I've talked about this a little bit, since we've been here. But Danelle and I were we're in a in a in a different place than we are right now. And we'd been through counseling. We've you know we had been involved in church. We'd we've attended church our whole lives. And we'd kind of just come to the end of our rope. And if you if if you guys knew us then you know, you, you probably would have just said, "Bless your heart." We don't want you to be the pastor of our church. <laughs> you know, we we felt like God had called us to be pastors. We met in Bible college for you know that that was that was what we were there for, and you know, and and, and we had no hope of change. Had no hope whatsoever. And. That's when the Spirit came in. We both went on on a couple of retreats, and it wasn't the retreat that did it. It was the fact that we encountered the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the one who changed our life. I couldn't make myself love my wife any more than I did, but the Holy Spirit changed my heart and helped me to love in a way that I didn't know how. My wife didn't love me the way that she would have liked to. But through the work of the Holy Spirit, her heart was changed. And we saw our marriage restored. And we saw the Lord restore dreams that that we thought were lost. Who in the world would ever uh, trust us to lead a church? Oh my God. (laughs) But it was something that the, the Spirit did. The Spirit orchestrated the entire thing and then here we stand today completely restored, completely renewed. And the Spirit is still working and still moving in us and leading us. And He's leading our church and He's wanting to see we want to see restoration of marriages. Restoration of families. We want to see people touched through the work of our church throughout our community. And it's it's not something that we do. It's something that the Holy Spirit does through us. And that's what the spirit of Easter is all about. It's new life. The spirit brings new life. We don't do it ourselves. He does it through us. In John chapter 20, I have it here for you. John says that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be to you, or be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again he said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then John adds this, Then He breathed on them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they will be forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now see, the disciples were still reeling from what happened over the weekend. They were afraid that the Romans were going to come after them. They saw what happened to Jesus, and the whole idea of crucifixion was to tell the enemies of Rome, that's what will happen to you if you challenge us. We'll hang you on a cross just like we did him. And so, naturally, they were afraid. I mean, they were were so afraid that Scripture doesn't say exactly who was there except for John to see him die. They were terrified but they didn't realize what had happened in the space of time whenever Jesus was on the cross and then was resurrected on, on that Sunday morning. There was a movement that had started and, and they had been part of it in the beginning and didn't realize that they were about to get on board on, the, on what was really about to happen. The real campaign of the kingdom of God going forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that became evident to them at Pentecost. But you see, the new life that Jesus experienced, that that work that the Spirit did in Him that regenerated His body and brought Him back to life, it wasn't just for Him. And it wasn't just for the disciples. You know, they could have their little glee club and just say, oh, Jesus is alive. Let's celebrate the fact that He's alive. When He got together with them that morning, He was telling them, look, this goes beyond us. This needs to go to the entire world. The entire world needs to know this message. Receive the Holy Spirit. And anyone that you forgive, they're forgiven. Wait a minute, I thought God did that. We're emissaries of God now. We've been sent out as, as ambassadors. We represent Christ. We represent our Lord and Savior. Anywhere we go, we're going on His behalf. Just like like the ambassador who goes to another country. They stand on those shores on behalf of the United States of America. And so what they say stands. And we have the authority that's been given to us by the Father Himself through Jesus Christ so that when we forgive, people are forgiven. When we pray... And we ask God to heal, people are healed. People are delivered. They're set free because we've been given the authority in Jesus. It, this isn't our authority, this isn't something that we do on our own. We act on behalf of our Lord and Savior. We are here on His, His business. And it usually begins, you know, whenever you start a movement, it's kind of like this Have you ever gotten a rock? and you just throw it out in the middle of a, like a tank, or maybe out in a, in a lake or something, that plop of, of the rock in the water starts a ripple effect. Well, th- those ripples only go so far. But when we're talking about what God is doing through the Holy Spirit, those ripples go far beyond any embankment, and any kind of limits, any kind of boundary that we could possibly set. I mean, look around the world. The kind of movements that have been started in, in, in places like China, where they outlawed teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet today there are, there are millions upon millions of people who are meeting, sometimes in secret, sometimes in a, in a, maybe in a cell or someplace, or in the back room where nobody knows they're there, but they're meeting together. And that's, that's the basis of this movement that we're a part of. In Africa, someone might be meeting under a tree, or they might be meeting in a little grass hut. I got to tell you this. I told you about my little pastor friend that I, I've I've got from. Well, there's I've actually got two of them now, and this this guy's from, from Uganda, and uh, I posted on on Thursday. There's a there, there's a the Vineyard USA does a a um it's a prayer on Thursday. And, and the way it works is that you just post one word, like in prayer. You post one word, and then then someone, if you see that, you you have some kind of reaction. You like it, you smile, whatever. And and that's that's kind of how it works. That and you're 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 saying whenever you react to it that I'm praying for this. Well, I got a message this morning from from Bosco from Uganda, and and he was he was he he just. I greet you in the name of the Lord. He is risen. You know, he he is risen indeed back and forth. Well, then he said, "I saw that you requested prayer." And the the word that I used on Thursday was healing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I told those who were here on Friday, we we had a friend who lost his sister to cancer on Friday. Friday morning, Tony Tate went in for 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 surgery, and I, I'm here to report that the surgery went well, and it, it appears to be successful, and we're thankful for that, and we're trusting the Lord for complete healing in her life. But I mean, there are so many people that I know personally that are experiencing some kind of sickness, some kind of disease in their body, and and so I, I posted this 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 one word healing, and Bosco texted me this morning and he said, I don't know if, if your family's sick. I don't know if, if it's something with you, but I'm praying for healing for you this morning. And somehow that just, that, that just ignited in my chest just like, a, like, a, a, like TNT. Oh, you see, this is what we do. We're not limited by where we sit. We're not limited by where we live. We're not limited by, by our station in life. Through the Holy Spirit, we can do these amazing things and touch somebody's life and they don't even know about it. But the Holy Spirit is, is working and He's moving through those relationships. And He's moving through, through the, whatever we touch, whatever we think about, whatever we put our hands to. And that's what happened when Jesus breathed on His disciples. This is what I've received and I'm giving it to you. This was reminiscent of, of what Ezekiel prophesied almost 600 years before. In Ezekiel chapter 37, it says, The Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. And He led me all around to the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. And then He asked me, Son of man... Can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, only you know the answer to that. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the Spirit or the sovereign Lord says, look, I am going to put breath into you and make you alive again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and I will cover you with skin and I will put breath into you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. That's a picture of the new creation. And it's a picture of what happens whenever somebody trusts Jesus. Whenever somebody receives the gospel message and the Spirit begins the work of transformation in their life and it takes on a picture like this where these dry bones start collecting together and then the tendons and the muscles and everything start extending out and the next thing you know it's covered with skin and then before you know it someone is standing completely restored that's a that's a spiritual picture of what happens in a person's life whenever the spirit of new creation is at work The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of new creation. And He's always used people to do His work. Yes, He does His work, but He needs people. Just like when we went to Regency last weekend. Just like going over to to Burton to play basketball with a kid that I only met once. Being a mentor. Visiting the elderly, the sick, and the infirm at our church and in our community. The Spirit of new creation reconciles people to God. He reconciles us. He brings us back into relationship with with God. That's what it's all about. To bring us all back into relationship with God. Paul in his letter to the uh, the Corinthians, the second letter, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And all of this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the Word to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them anymore. And He has committed us to this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. God has made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. I don't know how that happens. He just does it. He who knew no sin took my sin and set me free. And so the question is, how do we get involved with this? What do we do? You know, we, 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 we've heard the message. What do we do? How do we get involved? How can we be ambassadors of what Christ is doing? Well, first of all, ask Him to lead you. God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How can I get plugged in? What, what, what do you want me to do, Lord? What are you, what are you tugging on my heart about? Maybe it's in getting involved with the, with the closet. Maybe it's getting involved with us going out to, to the Regency Motel. Whatever it is. Oh, you know, you know I, I, I'm kind of busy. And you know, Come on. This is what God's doing. This is what God's doing, and, he's, and he, he wants us to get involved. There's all kinds of opportunities to, to get involved. So another way you can do that is by asking somebody, how can I help? How can I get involved? You know, there's all kinds of stuff around here that, that we can do. And, you know, it would it, be a blessing to you. It would be a blessing to us. It would be a blessing to everybody. And then we could be involved in, in doing all kinds of stuff in this community. There, there's no end to it. It's just a matter of, of starting with that place, Lord, lead me. Okay, I'm trying to hurry. It's Easter. I know you're trying to get out to, to have your Easter lunch. Um, in the book of Romans chapter 6, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. You see, resurrection is all about new life. In order for something to be resurrected, something has to die. And the message of Easter will forever be, He who was dead is alive again. When the Spirit moved on Jesus' body, it just couldn't stay dead. The Spirit moved and transformed that body into a glorified, resurrected body. And that was the Spirit of resurrection at work. And you see, the Spirit of resurrection is at work here today we experience this new life, we can't stay the same. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven in order to experience this new life. We can experience this eternal life now. Right where we are, living the lives that we live. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthians, Now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who are with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into an image, in His image, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is Spirit. You see, that's what freedom looks like. The Spirit setting us free. If you have addictions in your life, allow the Spirit to set you free. It involves just what we were talking about here this morning. Something has to die. We have to die to those appetites and those passions. True freedom is being more like Jesus and less like us. And it happens through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of resurrection working in us. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of resurrection, and the Spirit of resurrection makes us like Jesus. This is what we need. We need to be more like Him. And if we're more like Him, He becomes more appealing. Because He said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. It's not what we have to do. We lift Him up. And He gets the glory. We lift Him up. And people just come to Him. Because people just like Jesus. Jesus. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, He told him, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. On the first Easter Sunday 2,000 years ago, the Spirit was moving. It was moving like a mighty wind. And He moved on Jesus' dead body and He resurrected resurrected Him before breakfast. And He's still moving today. The Holy Spirit wants to move on you and wants to fill you and give you new life so you can be part of what He's doing here on the earth in these last days. Can we stand